Live from the Talking Joe Studios. It's Talking Joe. Talking Joe Weekly Podcast. Talking Joe's there. Talking Joe thought we would last. Talking Joe is there. Find each other like a married couple. A podcast on the air. Talking Joe is there. Talking Joe is the codename for a completely untrained special podcast force. Its purpose, to produce a regular comic review show while breaking and replacing a series of presenters from across the world. Talking Joe. Talking Joe is there. Talking Joe. We are on our soapbox. Nobody seems to care. Fighting for fandom wherever there's trouble. The podcast on the air. Talking Joe is there. Talking Joe. Talking Joe. Talking Joe is on the air. Hey, 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 baby. I want to know, oh, oh, if you'll be my girl. It's me, Mark, and welcome to Talking Joe, the best and longest-running dedicated G.I. Joe comics podcast. If you are new to the show, you can find out all of the details over at the website, which is talkingjoe.co.uk. Today, we are continuing our look at the G.I. Joe disavowed era, The Devil's Due Run, and talking specifically about G.I. Joe Frontline issues 11 to 14, history repeating, from Devil's Due in 2003. So without further ado, let me introduce my co-hosts, learning lessons from history. It's a real American Tim. It's Tim Finn. Hello, Mark, and hello, listeners. And doomed to repeat himself, it's G.I.J. Jake Audrey. Howdy, Joe fans. Good to have you guys on. We're not going to chit-chat too much because we've got somebody waiting on the line, ready to be introduced. And uh, for our look at history repeating, it's none other than the writer of the arc, Brandon Joe. All of this has happened before, and it will happen again. Brandon is a writer, (laughs) narrative designer, musician, radio DJ, monkey stripper, bicycle-based superhero, October guard impersonator, and so much more. He resides in Seattle, Washington, and is best known for his work on comic tie-ins for several prominent licensed properties, including Battlestar Galactica, Highlander, and Army of Darkness, as well as other comic projects such as the original graphic novel Shooters for Vertigo. But most importantly for us today, he was the writer on G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe's issue 23 to 43 Snake Eyes Declassified, Master and Apprentice, and its sequel, Master and Apprentice 2, and most importantly, the issues being talked about today, G.I. Joe Frontline, issues 11 to 14. Welcome, Brandon. Thank you very much. That's the best introduction I've ever had. We're we're now going to do the worst introduction you've ever had. Mark <laughs> has prepared a much shorter, less flattering, and mostly inaccurate uh, introduction. Uh, Mark, cue that up. <laughs> Okay, Uh, Okay. so what I am going to do, Brandon, is uh, send across via the magic of Facebook Messenger uh, a link to YouTube with your very own jingle, which 
uh, I think believe you were the first ever guest to specifically request that they are given a jingle. So, uh, and and not only that, you asked for the best ever one. So we'll see how I did. Who is this man? Who is this Comic writer Bourgeoisie, born in 1973, Brandon, Brandon Joa. <laughs> Funko Pop Manatee, born in 1973, Brandon, Brandon Joa. Come on, Brandon, you can do it. Pave the way, put your back into it. Tell us why, show, show us how. how. Look at you where you come from, look, look at you, you now. now. Hammer, Casey, and Blaylock. Amateurs can go suck oh, a cock. Brandon's wow. books, dig it, itch. Come on, Brandon, get him. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen, have you ever, 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 ever seen a stripping gorilla? <laughs> have you ever seen, have you ever seen, have you ever, 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 ever seen? Sprocket Man, the hero Morning Radio DJ, born in 1973 Brandon, Brandon Jones. Stalker of Dan Jolly, born in 1973 Brandon, Brandon Jones. Come on Brandon, you can do it There can only be one and you can prove it Tell us why, show us how It's happened before, it'll happen again Wraith and Chuckles and Red Shadows wow. Great in polyphonic prose Write those books, sing, sing a song Type a viper, get em. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen Have you ever, 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 ever seen The topic, it's just It's the extended version, it's amazing <laughs> And there we go <laughs> Wow Wow Wow, the Pet Shop Boys just dropped dead for the express purpose of spinning in their graves, and now they've been brought back to life. This is amazing. That's, okay, this is this is it. I'm just gonna be on the show all the time now. <laughs> this is just what I do now. Brandon, when you get when you get off of here, you need to tell all your other writer friends to come on Talking Joe and get that special Talking Joe treatment. You can't beat that. You can't beat that. I don't want them to get treatment this special. They deserve half at best. That's the, no way. Brandon, Mark has Mark has promised Jay and I that um, for each of your return engagements, he's going to create a wholly original and much, much longer (laughs) jingle. I I believe Mark has already um, laid down tracks for a six-minute version for your second episode and a 25-minute jingle for your third appearance. This is fantastic. This is everything I ever (laughs) Grateful Dead remix. This is why people get into writing comics. Apologies to the birth of my child, but this is, you know, now I have a new high. Uh, this is this is great. This is fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. I, so where to go wow. from here? Delivering the goods. I, I'm good. This has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> we should talk about uh, G.I. Joe and comics and Brandon. What's that? What's that comic? Yeah. We uh, that question we always start with for guests. What's your G.I. Joe uh, secret origin? So where, you know, talk us through about the first time you encountered uh, G.I. Joe. Where was it? Uh, When was it? What was it? Uh, I know exactly uh, where it was. It was at a Kmart in Manhattan, Kansas, uh, which is where I was born and grew up. uh, and, And we... We're always in the toy department. <clears throat> I was an only child and, and spoiled rotten. 
uh, as a result. So uh, anytime we went to, to, you know, Kmart or Walmart or whatever, there was always a trip to the toy department. And usually it resulted in a Star Wars figure, right? Uh, and in this case, I walked uh, and I saw an end cap. And on the end cap, there wasn't much. Uh, but it was a G.I. Joe display, and there was, uh, Flash was there, Snake Eyes was there, I don't think there were any Cobras, and there may have been one or two other random Joes, but I went with Flash, uh, because Laser Rifle Trooper, he's got pads and a cool helmet mm-hmm. and a, a sweet laser rifle, and so I, I got that figure, and that was it, I was literally obsessed from that first moment. And I, I remember very quickly after getting, uh, I got the jump and I got snake eyes and eventually I found my way to a, to a Cobra. Uh, and then just sort of one by one, all of my allowance and, and all of my fun money, uh, Star Wars stopped existing almost. And, and GI Joe was it. And then uh, not too much longer after that came G.I. Joe number one, the, that giant comic, and I got that at an Alco in Junction City, Kansas. I have very, very visceral memories of all of this. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, that that's exactly where it was, and I was, I mean, hooked from moment one. When you say that giant comic, you mean the double-sized first issue or the oversized edition? Oh, the oversized. The the, the, the treasury. Yes, yes. Okay. And then you, yeah. uh, you watched the cartoon? Oh yeah, absolutely, and and I already loved the comics and the toys, and so the the cartoon was a little, well, cartoony to me, and I I, I still watched it. I still showed up every day for it, uh, but I knew that I preferred the comics and the toys, and it was easy to distinguish that there was a, a difference in the lore there, even on a, on a subtle level. Um, also, I should note that, you know, uh, Manhattan, Kansas and Junction City, Kansas, the thing that's between them is Fort Riley, Kansas, uh, home of the 1st Infantry Division. So I grew up around a military base. And, and so I saw soldiers all the time. They were a part of our daily lives. My dad was a, a car dealer and, and my mom worked in a bank. So I, I saw people, you know, in in green everywhere I went. So to have that aspiration of the military, I mean, was just kind of baked in because it was, it was all around me. So of course it was cool to think about being a soldier uh, because it was just, you know, part of life. How long did you stick with the comic, the cartoon, the toys? Uh, Let's see. I stuck with the comic um, until the Transformers showed up. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) sorry, Tim. Uh, (laughs) Uh, later, like, uh, when it was actually, you know, they were actually integrated into the stories, uh, I, mm-hmm. I was out by then, um, because I just, you know, moved to focusing on girls, uh, honestly, <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, just being a, a teenager, uh, the, the, uh, the cartoon I watched through the end of, of the original run, um, I've never seen much of the the second cartoon, the Deke. Was it Deke? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've never seen much of that cartoon, ever. Uh, and then the toys, like, 
I was still kind of buying the toys till I was like 17 or so. Uh, it just, it, and it had tapered off a bit. Like I, I definitely was sort of picking and choosing. So that would have been around the time of like, we're getting 1990. Into... <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, eh, yeah, probably. Uh, and, and it was easy to sort of get out once it started being street fighter and star brigade and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so that, that kind of actually helped me steer away from it. Uh, and then I, I was off the habit entirely uh, until the uh, the Toys R Us toys came out. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and I just, I couldn't buy those fast enough. Were you also, were you reading other comics, other monthlies? Uh, oh, yeah, 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 for sure. I had, a, there was a little comic shop, uh, well, later in my teen years, there was a comic shop. The Where I lived in Kansas, we were an hour and a half from any comic shop. Uh, yeah, no, I would, um, I was reading GI Joe. I was reading X-Men. Uh, I had a subscription to Marvel team up and the Avengers. Uh, I was reading some, some DC books. I was a pretty active comic reader, but, but GI Joe was always first. And I guess some, some of the, you know, the, the narrative around you jumping on to the GI Joe book as the, the writer was kind of, uh, fanboy done you know done good kind of kind of thing but uh, which you know is, is a little bit um you know sort of un- un- undermining in terms of the the effort that's involved in in doing all that stuff uh were you into writing also as a uh, as a child you know um you know did writing a script for gi joe wouldn't have been the first time you picked up a, a pen and put it put it onto a piece of paper uh, no, I, I really, when I was a kid, I, I, I wrote and drew my own comics. I can't draw, but when you're a kid, you're the greatest artist on the face of the earth. Uh, but I, I would literally draw out multi-panel pages uh, for hours on end um, when I was, I mean, as young as six or seven. Uh, I was a real lazy student in school, but I always did well in writing classes. Um, my writing teachers, uh, who I am still in contact with, uh, told me that I was a writer from a very early age. And I don't like, I don't remember that being a big feature of my life, but I guess it, it that all makes sense, you know? Uh, so in high school, like if I, if I could be bothered to turn in a paper, I usually wrote a really good paper and I definitely wrote some, some short stories and stuff, but I didn't like, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was that made me say, you know, Oh, I should definitely be a writer. I just kind of decided one day, and that's, I mean, that's literally how I ended up with this gig. But I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't even know what a, uh, a comic script looked like. I had to go download one from Dark Horse uh, because I just really wanted to write a G.I. Joe script and, and mm-hmm. submit it. Um, so I just had to figure out what it looked like. Okay. I think uh, now is probably a good time for us to have some true or false questions in the form of Devil's Due or Devil's Poo. <laughs> Devil's true, true, true. Our poo, poo, poo is all I want to know right now. True, true, true. Our poo, poo, poo. Let's find out the answers right now. Devil's due being true, devil's poo being false. Uh, Brandon, have you prepared some uh, questions for us to muse? Uh, I believe I have. And and here's my problem <laughs> is you've done, I, like, the jingle alone tells me that you've done so much research. Only Mark. Uh, Only Mark. 
Oh, well, <laughs> thank, thank God. Yeah. The rest of you are so unprepared. I'm okay, completely good. ignorant. I, I uh, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, stay, I'll stay silent if, if I know the answers uh, <laughs> okay. From, okay. from knowing facts. People might be surprised how, uh, yes, we're, we're allowed when, when we have a, a, a noodly fact or a bit of trivia from G.I. Joe to, uh, to, to, to yell into the microphone. And when we're quiet, it's because we don't remember something. So uh-huh. I, I think Excellent. I think uh, I think Jay and I uh, I think we we do just enough research to fake this podcast. <laughs> uh, as a so. former podcaster <laughs> who did just enough research to fake his way through it every week, I salute you. <laughs> did I once talk about a movie for thirty minutes that I'd never seen? I sure did, because <laughs> wow. I can read fast. Uh, okay, so uh, are you ready? Are you ready for your first one? Yes. Let's with this that one's too. probably very easy. Uh, because of G.I. Joe, I ended up on a game show. Huh. I'm going to say uh, true. I'm, I, you know, th- there's there's such a history of, um, of, uh, of comics uh, personalities. You know, there's the Rob Liefeld... Spike Lee, uh, commercial. Uh, Spike Lee, Levi's 501 uh, jeans commercial. And is oh my it, god, is yes. It, is it, I forget, is it Dennis Cohen? Someone, another artist in that same year did an ad for Doers. Oh, wow. Uh, whiskey. So, oh. I'm going to say, and, and, and by, you know, 2002, there's, there's some internet. I'm going to say true. Okay. I know the answer to this one, so, so I'll let you take okay. it away. Uh, the answer is is true. Uh, I ended up on a game show called I've Got a Secret on the Game Show Network, which was a reboot of a classic uh, 50s or 60s game show. Uh, and, and the contestants all have a secret that a panel must guess by asking yes or no questions. My secret was that I had been made into a G.I. Joe figure, Dragonski, uh, and they guessed it. Oh, wow. When, how much, how long after... The figure, how long after you were writing for Joe was that? Ah, uh, geez, this was, it was a little bit into my run as the regular writer. Uh, and the figure had just come out. Like, it, it was a uh-huh. matter of timing. Uh, and and when, I, when I got to the studio, they actually had more uh, figures than I did. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Hasbro sent me one and they sent them, like, six uh and i was very jealous <laughs> also they were posed in very unflattering poses all over the production office of this game show uh but yeah, yeah they figured out my secret they they blew my cover do you uh, do you have this episode recorded onto a vhs or or uh, like a uh, an mp4 on your hard drive i actually it's in storage i'm, I'm going to be digging it up very soon i have the entire episode on a cd on a DVD. Okay. A CD. What am I talking about? Uh, yeah, no, I actually uh, contacted the show and requested one, and they, and they sent me one. Cool. Yeah, it was it was all right. Uh, well, for our second episode, uh, we'll do a live watch party. <laughs> Talking Joe watches I've Got watch a Secret along. with Brandon Jerwa. And for people who haven't listened to this episode, we'll see if our, if our viewers and listeners can guess the secret. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Uh, okay, fact number two. In my very first story arc, uh, I was made to replace a G.I. Joe character because Devil's Due thought my pick was too obscure. Hmm. This is a tough one. Jay, sorry? 
Yeah, I'm jumping in with true. I mean, that's my guess. Um, what do you think, Tim? I, I I think this I think this is completely likely. I feel like yeah. this is a red herring because the last one was true, <laughs> and I feel like I feel like if we change some words in this question, it's true. But I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this one is uh, is devil's false. Say it, Tim. Oh, say say the word. Devil's false, Brandon. Hey. I'll say it. Poo, poo. Uh, yes, and later, later in the story arc, uh, later in the story arc, Flint shows up. Flint is supposed to be Bullhorn, but I was told that nobody knew who Bullhorn was. Yeah, they were right. Um, but it was- <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, no, no argument here. Okay, I, I, come on. Is, isn't, isn't Bullhorn a, a hostage negotiator? He'd fit right in with the story. I, it was literally a scene of hostage negotiation. Yeah. So yes, I thought so too. Yeah. <laughs> but they they wanted they wanted uh, they wanted Flint. <laughs> All right. So Jay Jay's got two points, and I've got one. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then finally, uh, this is about Snake Eyes Declassified. Mm. Is there an entire issue of Snake Eyes Declassified that the world never saw? So tantalizing. Uh, wow. Uh, yes, yes, there is. Yeah, this is a guess. I don't. I have no. I have no research or or information. Jay. Yeah, I think so too. I think. uh, I think that's a little. Again, too oddly specific. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say (laughs) something like. uh, uh, I'm gonna say something like. um, Someone drew an entire issue and then. Uh, they were unable to keep uh, going with the series, and so that issue was redrawn by someone else. Like Secret Wars 2, issue number one, which was penciled in its entirety and then redrawn by uh, Herb Trimpey, who, who did the whole series. Good fact. Side note, I love Secret Wars 2. The Beyonder doesn't know how to go to the bathroom is a very compelling plot point. Mm. I really... <laughs> <clears throat> That's, it's uh... the details so, that matter. It, the the answer. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to guess? I was going to say I I I think it's true because yeah. I've I've been researching that yeah. this episode. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, yes, it is it is true. Uh, but it was not drawn. It was written by me, uh, and uh, Hasbro was not keen to have a very uh, sort of fatalistic uh, young boy running around upset at the world because of uh death and and pain and questioning god and uh <laughs> uh they also uh snake eyes was supposed to have a real name i i created a real name uh for snake eyes uh because i was told i could uh and then we didn't end up using it are you able to reveal what that name would have been here's the thing i i can there's no reason i can't but you understand that no matter what i say it's underwhelming, right? Is will it be as good as James Hewlett? <laughs> no, I'm going to go yes, off no, light myself. That's what uh, Larry kind of always. Yeah, said Larry. Anyway. Yeah, Larry. Larry knew someone in Vietnam named Bob Light, and he's talked a little bit about this in interviews. Yeah. Snake Eyes is sort of based on him, but he's also said, you know, that may not have been his name because everyone had nicknames. Um, I'm going to suggest, um, really, for ratings, just to get our audience to keep coming back. That we that we hold on to this uh, okay. for a future episode if we have Mr. Jirawa back, and also so that the three of us can think good and hard if we really want to know this, <laughs> but mostly for the ratings. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I really want to know. Uh, Ted. <laughs> I would I would urge you to do what I did. I literally looked at Snake Eyes with his mask off in every way, shape, and form that I could until I till my brain said this man's name is this. Bruce it, it, Wayne. Oh, so close. <laughs> it's Wayne Bruce. Uh, you were space. so so close. <laughs> Pooh. His name is Pooh. <laughs> His name is actually Devil's Pooh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's let's save that for another time. Sorry, Jay. Man. <sighs> Party pooper. No, it's a delayed gratification. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But gratification's best. Uh, we've, got, we've got. We're talking to Brandon Jerwa live on our podcast. There's so much gratification in that. <laughs> oh for him. boy. <laughs> Mark is and and Mark is queuing up a forty-seven minute jingle for the end of the episode right now. <laughs> oh uh, okay, now so we were talking about Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes declassified. Uh, let's not go down a too bigger right, right. Ra- Let's not go down a too big a rabbit hole because I'm sure you could talk for thirty minutes without even have watching this. But uh, do you have any kind of quick thoughts on the Snake Eyes movie? Uh, I'm assuming that you've seen it and kind of what, you know, what was your reaction to it? I still haven't seen it. Wow. Uh, I just, I, it doesn't look good to me. Uh, and I, I'll watch it at home, but uh, I feel like I've been burned twice. Uh, and uh, especially at a time when going to a theater is a risky proposition, although I could, I can literally rent it at any time. I know that uh, now, but yeah, I, I haven't seen it. And I, uh, I don't know. I a lot of people went to go see it, and some people said, "Oh, it's good," and other people were like, "Yeah, it's interesting." And uh, so that was. I mean, what did, have you have you all watched it? Did you did you like it? My my one sentence review is: I liked it, but it's bad. Fair. I liked it uh, when I was yeah, kind of when I was in the theater. But uh, there were parts in it that were like. Like really made me sick to my stomach when they happened, and, and kind of ruined it. And it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, on reflection, I I give it the worst of the three. I won't watch it again. Okay. It's, okay. It's quite a fun film in places, but you kind of have to leave your uh, GI Joe fandom at the front door. Just take it for what it is. Uh, okay. Be my yeah. Take. Yeah. No, I get. It. And and look, I. I, I I never know who I'm going to start a fight with, but uh, I do have to say that, like, you know, I, I cannot get behind all these people who are upset about, you know, changing his race or anything like that. Like, no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm for it all the way. Like, it, that doesn't disrupt the character of Snake Eyes for me. And I feel like I have a tiny, tiny bit of authority to be able to say that. Uh, but, like, you know, everybody has to take these things as they come. But like it or don't like it for the right reasons, I racial swaps of characters is I don't know I, I yeah. have trouble with people having trouble with that I guess well his face doesn't matter it's yeah it's it's the fact that he's a bad guy in his own movie that Ooh. really spoils it yeah let's not spoil the plot too much for, for Brandon but um, yeah it, it's it's kind of yeah I don't think any of us had an issue with that really it's it's the it's more more the plot I think that uh, that that um, has a few few bumpy bits. <laughs> I do have to ask from the ads: Is there a magic rock in that movie? There is, or something. <laughs> yes, there is. 
Okay, yeah. Okay, good to know. <laughs> mm. And snakes and fireflies. My one tenses uh-huh. reply: There is a magic rock in that movie. Let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about Frontline. <laughs> yeah, right. let's do okay. it. Okay, cool, cool. much better GI Joe story. Oh, thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> um, Did you literally so... just say your thing is better than a thing I just said I don't like? That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> I said much better. That means something, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, it sure does. Uh, yeah. So, so what, at what point did you start to to write uh, what would become your frontline script? Uh, um, yeah. What what point in the Devil's Due history was was that? Oh, uh, this was. Um, they had just put out issue three of of GI Joe, oh. I think. Uh, Zartan on the cover. Uh, I want to say that's three or four. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I had been buying the book at my my local shop. I lived in Portland, Oregon at the time, and uh, I'd been a radio DJ, but I was a displaced professional because radio was dying. So I was able to get paid unemployment, but choose a different profession. Uh, so I decided that I was going to become a comic book writer. You know, like you just decide that one day. Uh, and uh, so around the time of that GI Joe book, I'm like, you know what, GI Joe was my guiding light all through my youth. There's nothing I know better. And, and nothing I have more feelings about than this. So if I'm going to try this, let's, you know, go with what you know. So I wrote a two-part script, the scripts for what would become 11 and 12. And I I also wrote a superhero script at the same time uh, for an original superhero, because the world sure needs more of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I sent that to Dark Horse, and I sent a letter to Devil's Due, at the behest of my then wife, who was a, a, an, a like a paralegal and a very professional person. And she said, you know what, if you want to try this, approach it like a job. Literally send them, a, you know, a, a letter of, of inquiry. You know, dear sir or madam, uh, I would love to submit my script for your consideration. And I did exactly that. I did not send the script. I just sent the letter. And they wrote me back fairly quickly, like within, I want to say, a couple of weeks Mm-hmm. Uh, and they said, sure, go ahead and send your script. Uh, so I sent my two scripts, which I think took me, I'm going to say they probably took me four months to write, maybe. Uh, but I was unemployed uh, mm-hmm. and had a lot of time to do it. So uh, I, I sent these two scripts off, and they replied, I mean, like fairly quickly again. And they're like, hey, we want to use these in a new anthology series. And so I, you know, they said, it's going to be like two or three months before you hear from us again, but uh, we'll be in touch. And I was like, oh my God, this is, you know, great. Mm, wow. That's awesome. Since Devil's Do was um, so progressive in terms of having a website and fan interaction, I'm curious, was that letter of inquiry a piece of paper in the mail or an electronic mail? It was both. I sent an email version and a physical version, and they responded to the email version. Hmm. Uh-huh. God, I had to think about that, but yeah, I do remember actually sending off a physical copy. <laughs> and um, if if I'm remembering correctly as well, you before even starting as a writer on the book proper, you were quite active on the Devil's Due forums. Am I remembering that that you were type of viper uh, on the forums? Oh no, I wasn't Typer Viper. You're not. Okay. Wait. I 
I remember that name. <laughs> I don't. I don't you? think it was me. No, I don't think okay. I was. Hmm. Let me. Oh God, I remember that name though, and now I. I'm not. I'm genuinely not sure. I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be evasive. I. I legitimately can't remember. Somewhere out there, Typer I... Viper is going. That was me. <laughs> yeah. Apologies <laughs> to him? the real. Apologies to the real Typer Viper. You're getting your jingle next week. Um, <laughs> yeah. No kidding. I think it was Brandon. <laughs> it, yeah. Okay. I listen. It may have totally been i was definitely on the forums i legit can't remember my name i was just it's funny i was trying to think of like what my name was on toy forums long before i was on you know the gi joe site and i can't like for the life of me i can't remember so for those of us who uh were were not there brandon can you paint a picture of like how often did you log in what were the kinds that you were you were asking questions uh when did you start going to the devil's do forum I, I mean, I, I guess it must have been right around the time, probably in after those first five or six issues, I would assume, like it, w- once I had made contact with Devil's Due, maybe. Um, I This is freaking me out because I just like, I have such little recall of that. And, and uh, <laughs> I would, I mean, like... Do you already I, know these answers, Mark? Do you do well, you know? Well, I think it's all it's all been sort of assigned to the to the sort of old internet bin of history. I don't know if, if we can okay. get, get back to these things, but I have a I have a fairly strong recollection of um of of you being on those forums and and posting some questions about you know you sort of saying I'm I'm trying to to write a, a script wow. and uh and I, and does anyone know how long it would take to get on a plane and fly across from this you know from this place to to this place and it kind of registered in my my brain because like a few months later then you announce on the book and it's like ah that was that guy that was on the forum and asking questions about writing his script you know that's amazing right there okay even before he wrote that script he's asking questions that hollywood writers now don't ever think about (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh you can Uh, get from one side of la to the other in 15 minutes i don't think so Wow. Now this is, you know what, this is very exciting. I, I feel very old and weird now, but like, yeah, no, this is starting to come back to me. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, I've always been a big asker of questions. Like I, I'm a firm believer, like if you're going to write something, anything, and you don't know, don't make it up because you will 100% be wrong every time. <laughs> and you'll get and called provably. on it. Right. Now, clearly, I didn't know how to use the Internet in a way that might get me that answer without having to go to a forum and ask other people. Uh, but, yeah, wow. I Now that you're saying this, it is sort of coming back to me. And, and yeah, they. I mean, Devil's Due really was ahead of the curve with fan interaction. Uh, and yeah, that was really great for me, obviously. It was very helpful in, in becoming a part of that community. Uh, and getting the support of a lot of people that was uh, in, infinitely helpful and and it was really alien to me at the time that was not that was sort of my very earliest internet interaction besides mm. a few toy forums you know uh so yeah wow so you you went on to like sort of then create your own website and your own forums and and that kind of thing right yes yes where uh i was so uh involved in the fan community at that point that I said a lot of things I shouldn't say. Uh, I was too forthright and honest about things and, and probably should have left a few things behind the curtain. <laughs> uh, and, you know, like, 
uh, I probably let the fans ultimately, I, I hate to say it, but I think I let the fans influence me a little bit mm. too much too. And, you know, there's a lot of differing opinions about GI Joe. So there's a lot of directions you can be pulled in. And I, I, I tried to please everyone because I felt like I had to answer to everyone every day because I kept going back to the internet and they were all there. Yeah. And the loudest fans aren't necessarily going to have be the ones with the greatest ideas always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, quick question. I kind of missed this in Mark's, uh, intro biography how far how long did your run go uh brandon you didn't go to the very end of the series did you you weren't the final writer uh no i wasn't the final writer uh so i you know i did these four issues they had me come back and do some dialogue rewrites on i think issue 17 which was written by a couple of writers from friends um oh wow and then and then i got the gig for the regular series, which went 23 to 43 and wrapped up very suddenly. They told me it was ending and it just ended. Uh, and then Joe Casey, I think, was... I don't remember if Joe Casey was the final writer. He, he uh, was the next one when they yeah, got he, rebooted yeah, okay. as America's Elite. Yeah. So I was the final writer of the original Devil's Do run. Uh, but it but, sounds like you didn't maybe get to finish it up the way you wanted. Oh, no, no. <laughs> That's a whole other episode. Yeah. 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 Let's get to or that two. episode when we get to it. <laughs> All right. So I, I want to I jump back to uh, you have these two scripts for what becomes 11 and 12. You're not going to, yeah. you're maybe not going to hear back from Devil's Due for two months. Um, and the main book is chugging along, right? If, if you, if you sent that letter of inquiry around issue three, it took you four months to write. Um, Frontline sort of starting publishing is still a little ways off. So they they contacted you and then it became four issues and then it became weekly uh yeah so uh they contacted me i think probably about three months later again i don't remember the timelines very well but uh they contacted me and uh by this point i had I'd taken a job i was a, a landscaper my friend owned a landscaping company and i was the single worst landscaper you've ever seen in your life <laughs> but they all knew that i was the boss's friend and so they were all nice to me uh but uh, so I am I'm doing that and, and they call me and they're like, OK, we're going to get going on production on your your issues and we're way ahead right now. Uh, so that's great. And and we got into a story meeting. It was me and Josh Blaylock and maybe an editor. Uh, and and Josh goes, so what happens in the in the other two issues? <laughs> and I and I said, the, the what? And he goes, it's four parts. Right. And of course, I'm smart enough to go. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, it sure is. And I said, well, you know, uh, I have some ideas and uh, I'll go, uh, you know, I hadn't scripted those yet, but I'll, I'll go and write an outline and let me know what you think. And and so I just kind of immediately spouted off all these things that were going to happen that I had not conceived of because I literally thought this was a two-part story, uh, which is why there's such a break between the two. Like, it, you know how it seems like two episodes of a TV show split into two parts? Uh, it, that's cause it's kind of exactly what that was. Uh, and so, yeah, I went off and I wrote these other two issues very quickly and, uh, because they were way ahead, uh, they'd been stockpiling, you know, they had Dan and I, I, who was between Dan and I, who, who wrote nine and 10? Uh, that, that was the Sean McKeever two part. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, so they, you know, they had that and they had the, the opening storyline. And so, they decided because they were so ahead that they could do a little stunt with my release and and go weekly, which I thought was super cool. Mm. Did you ever interact with Eddie Barrows, the penciler of this arc? 
I think we may have had a couple of emails back and forth, but not any kind of line of communication the way that I would find later to be sort of the traditional approach. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, we didn't talk much at all uh, because they were kind of managing that situation. And uh, that story meeting with Devil's Due, that's over the phone. Yes, yes. When did you first go to Devil's Due or maybe, yeah, two questions. When did you first go to Chicago and, and meet them in person? Never did. Oh, wow. Okay, then second question, conventions? <laughs> yep, yeah. Um, my very first out-of-town uh, convention was Wizard World Philly. Uh, and I can tell you exactly when that was because uh, as my plane was landing... Uh, I got a text from Josh Blaylock who said Master and Apprentice number one just became the first sellout issue. We, we sold out. Okay. Um, so you, so, you wrote, you, you did a lot of writing for them before you met them in person. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I mean, we had, yeah. we had a ton of, of, uh, phone meetings and stuff. Um, I've actually spent very little time with them. I mean, like I've run into Josh in San Diego a few times uh, we were in Philly together. We all did a big convention over July 4th weekend at Disney World one year. Larry was there for that. Um, that was a big G.I. Joe convention. Um, and But yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, never, I never met them uh, for a good part of the first days of this. Were there, uh, were there rewrites uh, in, the, in the first two issues that... that... Uh, or in this story, did you do any uh, any rewriting, revising? Not much. The, honestly, uh, I was kind of spoiled out of the gate on this one because what you see in those four issues is pretty much what I wrote. Um, I don't I don't remember any big revisions at all, and I don't even remember going back and and changing anything of my own writing of my own volition. Uh, there was the swap out for Bullhorn, which didn't really like you know, affect the story one way or the other. Uh, but other than that, I mean, what you what you see is sort of what I gave. Well, well I guess surprising, but probably for you as well. It'd be like, uh, yeah. well, this is my first time, right? You, Man, I, writing, you know. writing comics is easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, I mean, let's, let's be very, very clear. Uh, I assumed that, that the story of my life would go, hey, I got to do this one time. And that's it. And I, you know, you have to be happy with that. I literally thought I got to write a comic one time and it happened to be G.I. <laughs> Joe. And I'm just going to go right back to landscaping. And, and that's good enough. That's, you know, like, hey, I got to do that. Uh, and that's a cool thing that I can tell someone 10 years from now. And obviously it, it, it worked out a little better than that. But uh, yeah, I really thought that this was just one lucky little break. Just the way Wizard Magazine sold it. They, you know, you mentioned this earlier, I think, uh, Mark, is that like Wizard Magazine put out an article that basically described me as Charlie with the golden ticket. Right. Like, <laughs> oh, I get to go to the chocolate factory. And like. It wasn't writer gets job, right? It was like lucky fan oh, gets wow. a chance to live his dream. Yeah, like I, you know, I read it and I was just like, I'm in Wizard Magazine, and they said, oh, that I'm a contest winner. Cool, 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 cool. cool. <laughs> kind of like me saying this was much better than the Snake Eyes movie. Sorry, Brandon. It seems a, to listen, be a pattern. It's okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm used to it by now. 
And so, so you've you've got these the four issues in and and sort of sh- uh, scheduled, and it's going to be a big weekly e- event with some fanfare behind it. At what point did you find out that that you know you might be in the running to uh, to go up in the big glass elevator and and um, uh, <laughs> and actually take on the main book? Uh, let's see. So. Uh, the four issues came out, obviously that happened very quickly, all, all in the span of the same month. And then pretty quickly thereafter, they asked me to do the dialogue rewrites on 17, which, uh, one, <laughs> one part of the script literally said, Snake Eyes says, um, uh, yeah. So, uh, they asked me to do that. And then I, I sort of was just, you know, sort of at this point, I'm like, well, they like me. I'll just poke around and see if there's anything else for me to do, you know, and sort of stay in touch. And Josh called me one night and he goes, uh, listen, I want you to know. I th- and I thought this was the letdown call, right? Like this is <laughs> totally. Uh, he said, I want you to know that uh, I'm going to be handing off the main book to someone. And I'm just going to be super honest with you. It's between you and another writer. So uh, I'm asking you both for for outlines and, you know, tell me what you do with the book. And uh, I said, who's the other writer? And he goes, Dan Jolly. Uh, And I go, okay, okay. Uh, And I was a big fan of Dan's. So I sent off my outline and I decided what better time to be friends with someone than with Dan Jolly. I know he already told you this story. So uh, I I literally wrote him and I'm like, hey, we're both up for G.I. Joe. Like, you know, we should be friends. I I didn't realize that's not how humans generally work. (laughs) Uh, And, you know. To my eternal surprise, he he was agreeable, regardless of what he might have been saying under his breath when he read that email, because I'm sure it seemed weird. Like, are you coming for me, dude? Like, you know, I'm here for the same job. (laughs) You want to be friends? Uh, But uh, yeah, and we're friends to this day. I literally just spoke to him last week. And uh, so he didn't get the gig, but he did okay. Obviously, things turned out okay for Dan. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I ended up with that gig, a gig that I was literally digging a ditch when I got the call for. So again, I was sure that my life was going to be very normal, except for one little blip of comic writing. When your four issues of Frontline came out, um, did you have a sense of how, uh, how well they sold? Uh, you probably, you were on the forums, so you heard what people thought. Did you like do a signing at your local comic shop? The lucky, lucky contest winner? (laughs) I did. <laughs> yes, yeah, I did. Uh, I, I, there was a little comic shop. I, I lived in Seattle by now, um, and so there's a little comic shop in Renton that I went and had my very first uh, signing at. It's no longer there, but uh, yeah, they. In fact, they they had me out twice in the same month. I think uh, we did a thing because you know they came out every week, uh, and then I got a, a good local. Uh, a good local show that no one came to. Uh, I want you to imagine, I mean, you guys, you read other comics, right? You know other people in comics, right? Yes. We're seeing other comics. Okay, great, great. So Mark, uh, Mark makes I, jingles for other people. <laughs> imagine this room and take me out of the equation because I am then and remain nobody, but I'm in a room with my four comics <laughs> and... And I am with Kurt Busick, Mark Wade, and Gail Simone. Oh, no pressure. 
Okay. Yeah, they've, we, they've written more than four comics between them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, and now imagine that I'm in a room with those people and I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wow. I am. I am. This is amazing. And then we don't have a single customer for 90 minutes. Oh. <laughs> like no one enters the room for 90 minutes. And then when somebody does, we don't see another person for another 30. Oh my like gosh. it just, it was a show that just did not, it, you know, sometimes a small comic show just doesn't happen. And this one didn't happen in the most unhappening way. Like it just, <laughs> I, I think Mark fell asleep at one point. I'm not, this is not a joke. I, I think I seem to recall looking over and seeing Mark napping. Like it's just, Good times. Wow. <laughs> real, real good times. You were on the right. Devil's Due forums when these issues were coming out. Were people saying yes. what what they thought of them? Were you, uh, what, how, how was that? I, from what I can remember, I mean, like the, the, the reception was, was generally good. Uh, there's, there was one very prominent fan who did hate and still hates me to this day. Uh, and loves to tell me that I am not Larry, and he loves to be a real expert on what Larry would do, and like would dissect every line of every page. Larry would have done this. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So you've met him uh, before. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jay, I was Tim? I was just gonna spend a few minutes on this episode complaining about the coloring on. <laughs> I actually thought page, the coloring was good in a lot of spots. On page we'll twenty and twenty one of issue thirteen. Sure. Yeah. That's 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 my that's my that's my gripe for this, <laughs> yeah. for this arc. Uh, so yeah, no, I mean it was it was very it was gratifying, and I I mean I felt like I was overall greeted very warmly, and I let it immediately go to my head, uh, and uh, yeah. So but yeah, no, I was constantly looking at sales figures and charts and you know everything. Uh, I wanted to know how well I was doing. Do do you have a um, a mantle or a shelf? with uh like these issues or a wall with these issues framed or like the very skinny graphic novel collection of these four issues on a victory shelf of your oeuvre your personal comics oeuvre i um because i'm i'm terrible at organizing things i actually used all of my personal comic collection of my own works uh, I mixed them up with my sales box, and I literally sold every copy of every book I've ever written. I have four Vampirella trade paperbacks, and I'm slowly rebuilding a collection of my own material uh, because uh, I I lost it over the years and didn't like I didn't think to keep it. I, that's I was you know I was saying uh, to Mark before the show like I I don't have this history repeating arc in a physical form. <laughs> Uh, and it's hard to get your hands on. And like, you know, Snake Eyes Declassified hardcover goes for like $1,000 on Amazon now. So like <laughs> the problem with your books being out of print is that you have to buy them just like everybody else. And if they're not available, they're not available. But I don't like I don't even have PDFs or anything of most of this stuff. Wow. Well, maybe, maybe one of the, maybe one of the three people uh, on this podcast can uh, mail you these four comics that he's holding when when the show's over because he lives near a post office. If uh, if you share your mailing address, um, I was uh, just going to say watch the YouTube video. Sure, <laughs> quicker. Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> so. Um, uh, Devils do sent you comps. You got like free author copies, and those were the ones that you sold down to your last copy. That's what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so crazy. <laughs> um, 
And I did like just by pure accident, just mixing oh, up, geez. you know, books. I thought it was going to be like, oh, I've moved so many times and I've lost boxes or there was a flood in the basement. But no, you just sold them. <laughs> yeah. For drugs. Okay. For drugs, of course. Okay. Uh, oh, well, that's, that's right. okay then. <laughs> Ibuprofen. You know, actually, that makes sense because um, it sounds like... <laughs> no, it's... Guys, you, you heard... You did the interview 20 minutes ago just like me. Brandon gave up on the Joe figures around the time of Star Brigade he didn't. He wasn't exposed to DEF, so he didn't get those lessons. Yeah, and that would explain why mm. he can't remember any of this stuff either. Mm. No, yeah. this it's all. And now it's we all know. Coming together. <laughs> Too many pharmaceuticals, Keith Richards. <laughs> let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about the so, story. Joe, Joe. So, uh, yeah. What? Uh, at what point uh, did uh, did you did you join as co-writer for twenty three to twenty? Five. But did you know that you were going to pick up the book as the main writer at, at that point? And what was the co-writing experience like? Was it that you were handed a plot and you had to, to, to flesh it out and script it? Yes. Uh, so I did know. Uh, it was sort of a thing where Josh was like, okay, yes, you're, you're going to be the new writer. And I want you to help me out on my last arc. And we'll leave some room for you to put some stuff in. But I could just, you know, use the help because Devil's Due was really hopping at that point. Uh, so, yeah, he had uh, basically, as I recall, he had the whole thing more or less plotted out. Like, this is what happens in every issue, but there was some empty space. Um, a lot of the mechanics of the assault and and the battle were sort of left to me. Uh, you know, I, I can't take any credit for the best scene, of course, which is Cobra Commander kicking Serpentor off that waterfall. Uh, I can't take credit for that, and I, I desperately want to. Uh, but that was one of those things where I read and I was just like, go on, Josh, go on. That's good good work. Like, you know, like, oh, you're missing the most important DNA. Punt. I, that was great. Um, but, like, the Xandar stuff. Like, the Xandar stuff is mine because I was planting seeds for what I wanted to do with Xandar later, right? So, you know, it, it was definitely his story. And then I, I got to come in and, and fill in a lot of the blanks. Um, and unfortunately, I also was the one who had to write the scenes where we kill all these characters, uh, in, including poor, poor Chuckles. Yeah. So <laughs> reading this arc. Question. Yeah. Yeah. Reading this arc in conjunction with those few few issues, what's striking is that for the first time in many, many years in, in this arc, we get a bit of screen time for, for, for Flash and Chuckles. And then the next time we see them, they're get, either getting blown up or having uh, a fist put through their chest. Uh, what's up with that, Brandon? Listen, uh, Hasbro gave us a list. They said... You can kill these characters. Oh my gosh. I don't Yeah, I don't think they said kill these characters. I think they said you can. And, and <laughs> that's the know, expendables list. And Josh wanted the, the story to have some some impact and some cost. Uh so yeah, so uh we had to do that. <laughs> we, but, uh, See, I always and, say to yeah. my employees when they're handing in their expenses. This is a ceiling, not a target. <laughs> Do you understand how hard it is to tastefully kill off a character named Skidmark? Do you understand 
like there's only so much you can do. So I dropped a helicopter on him. I thought that was the best way he could possibly go. Yeah. Um, just yeah. left left as a smear on the ground, ironically. That's right. That's right. Uh, so yeah, it was very hard to kill off Flash and Chuckles, especially because they are legitimately two of my favorite characters. Flash was my first GI Joe. You did it to yourself, man. Oh dear. I, I know. I know. All right. Well, that answers that question. I see it now. I. <laughs> cool. Um, I think we're we're ready to get properly into these these issues. <laughs> I think I'm feeling a little bit heady. I think I need to open up a window or something. But uh, I think we've been getting into some issues. Warning, team. As the sands of time descend, temporal disruption has set in. And it is here that we must leave our brave adventurers, Mark, Tim, Jay, and Brandon. Remain patient and we will pick up where we leave them in part two of our chat with writer Brandon Jawa as we dig into the detail of his frontline arc, history repeating. Join us then, if you dare.